All right. I'm going to take a few minutes and just share about Sukkot. I know we've been talking about it and experiencing it um, all week, but I, I just want us to do that and, and close with, with worship today. But Sukkot, as I mentioned, is also called Zaman Simchatenu, the time for our rejoicing. And today is the eighth day. It's Shmini, Shmini Etzeret, or Etzeres, if you're Ashkenazi. And it's the celebration of the eighth day of assembly, is what it literally means. But this is all about, Sukkot is all about dwelling in him and him dwelling with us. And there's a beautiful picture, as we see in the Gospel of John and Chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and apart from him nothing was made that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. There's something about that in him relationship that we need to really grasp. He was in the Father. We are in him. We are in the Father together with Yeshua. And then down to verse 14, he says, And the word became flesh and tabernacled, Sukkot, among us. We looked upon his glory, the glory of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. The point here is God dwells with his people. Now, many theologians even, especially in the Messianic movement, they, they believe, and I'm not nearly as smart as them, but it makes sense. They believe that Yeshua's birth was at the Feast of Sukkot. Now, I'm not going to get into a teaching on that, but I have come over the years to believe it probably was. I believe that he was conceived at the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem in December, around that time of the year, and his birth... And I can't, I'm not, believe, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but there are many theologians who believe that his birth came around this time of the year, around Sukkot. It would make sense because if you look at the scriptures and, and it says that the, the, the angels were in the fields, okay, watching over their flocks. Usually, we all know December 25th was probably not his birthday, right? Okay, we're all pretty, pretty comfortable with that. And the scriptures don't specifically say, and he was born on this day. But that he tabernacled among his people. That gives us clues. It gives us hints right in the scriptures about he has come to dwell with us. And why not do it? Because God, is, God does this. Nothing's random. He chooses to call this, this time a, a time of tabernacling together. And why not really show it with the birth of Yeshua during all this? Of all the feasts, it best illustrates the dwelling in the midst of his people through the Messiah. All the feasts have specific meanings to them. In the, in the, in, in the spring, we celebrate Pesach and first fruits and the first feast of Matzah. It's all about redemption, being bought back. It's about salvation. Coming into an, to coming into being from out of the world and, and to become his people. And then we go into Shavuot, which is all about God's provision, always providing for us, providing his word, 
providing his Ruach HaKodesh, his spirit was given at Shavuot. And then we come into these fall feasts, which are so, we've, we've been experiencing for the last three weeks, we've been experiencing them. It's been so wonderful. We've had the regathering with Yom Teruah, the blowing of the shofars, the people becoming together. We had the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, where we corporately confessed our sins and broke all vows and, and broke all the sins that we've been walking in and received new life and, and know that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And now we come to this season of Sukkot, it's abiding. It's about intimacy and abiding in him. We've been living, literally, some of us, in a sukkah for the last week. Some of them, literally, every night were in a sukkah where they were able to watch the stars. And it's something, and God not only calls us to remember the wanderings in the wilderness, but he visits us. And it was so cool to hear of testimonies this week, of ministry where God set free people. Through you know, it was just it was just family ministry. They were just blessing one another and encouraging one another, and, and God just ministers. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? It's just wonderful. That's what this is. And the climax of this Sukkot is this day. It's also called Hoshana Rabbah, the late, the last and greatest day. It, it literally means Hoshana Rabbah. Literally means great supplication. It's the last and greatest day of the feast. And I shared this last week when we were meeting out at the outside church down by the creek. <laughs> now I grew up in California, where creek is spelled C-R-E-E-K, but then I come here and I meet the. It's called the creek. Well, whatever. But we talked about this is that through the, the week of Sukkot, there's a special cell, um, uh, observance that takes, well, it did take place at the temple. The priests of that year would go down to the Pool of Siloam and they would gather water from the Pool of Siloam, which literally means what? Siloam, the root is shalom, peace. So they would gather water from the Pool of Peace, shalom. And they would walk up to the temple. And everybody would walk and follow in this procession up to the temple. And then the priest would empty that jar of water on the temple, in the, in the, on the altar in the temple. They did that once a day for six days. On the seventh day, they did it seven times. Seven times, and so you can, you can just sense that, that there's the excitement is building. And the highlight is on the seven times they did this procession on this day. And it's actually called Simcha Bet HaShoeva, the rejoicing of the house of drawing water. That's what takes place on this day. Why so much rejoicing? Why the buildup? Well, Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6, and this is, uh, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 12. And this is, this is a beautiful picture of what takes place there and is also taking place, I believe, today. Starting in verse 3, Isaiah 12, verse 3. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation... And what is the Hebrew word for salvation? Yeshua. In that day you will give thanks to Adonai, 
proclaim his name, declare his works to the people so they remember his exalted name. Sing to Adonai for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, inhabitants of Zion. And here we are in Mount Zion doing just that. For great in your midst, here again, abiding in the midst, is the Holy One of Israel. So when the children of Israel, and even in Yeshua's day, would gather at the temple, this is what they were looking forward to as the Lord, the King, the God of Israel, being in their midst as they worship with joy. It's a prophetic illustration of the day of messianic redemption when the water of the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all of Israel. I'm looking forward to that day. And you know, it's interesting because Yeshua shows up always at the right time. And I won't get into the whole thing because I don't want to take too much time on this, but at the beginning of John chapter 7, his, it's getting close. The feast is coming near. And so his disciples say, well, Yeshua, are you going up? We're going to go up. It's time. We go up. Remember, there's a commandment to go up to Jerusalem on this particular feast. And he says, no, you go. There, he knew what was going on. There were some plots to kill him. So he said, he's not going to go, which is interesting. Wait a minute. If all are commanded to go and he's not going to break Torah, what's going on here? And so the anticipation builds and the expectations build. They all go up to Jerusalem. And there's a lot of talk that whole week about the Messiah, about Yeshua. And people are saying, he's the prophet. He's the one greater than Moses. He is the Messiah. And others are saying, no, he's not. He's from the evil. This was all going on. This is the undercurrents of what's happening at Sukkot that year. And then Yeshua shows up for this day. This day he shows up, which is the point that I'm saying is that when you cry out to the Lord, he will always show up. You might think he should have showed up a week ago or three days ago or last month, but he will always show up at the right time. And that's where he does here. And I just want to read the scriptures that go along with that. In John chapter 7, verse 37, I read, Read these last week. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Yeshua stood up and cried out loudly, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And this is as the water is being poured out on the altar. And he's saying, Come to me and drink. And the question I want to throw out to you is, Do you really want the living waters that only he can give you? And I say, yes, we need that. I am thirsty. We need to be thirsty for him during this time. I want that intimacy that he talks about. And he goes on and he says, whoever believes in me, as the scriptures say, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You see, when we come to him and we receive from him, out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living waters to others. It's incredible. Now he said this about the Ruach whom those who trusted in him were going to receive. So he came to talk about what was going to be happening in just a short time. For those who trusted in him were going to receive. For the Ruach was not yet given since Yeshua was not yet glorified. 
And then it's interesting because there was discussion. He did this. And wherever Yeshua went, there was always hope. What, what is he saying? And there was all these, the, I can see that. I can see my people, the Jewish people. They were just always like, what, what does he mean? What, is it? what do you think he means? And verse 40, it says, when they heard those words, some of the crowd said, this man really is the prophet. Others were saying, this is the Messiah. Still others were saying, the Messiah doesn't come from the Galilee, does he? So there's all these discussions going on. The question I have for you is, how will you respond? How do you respond when he says, drink from me rivers of living waters? They're what only I can give you. How do we respond? Well, I don't know. I've got my family here. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Everything is by him and through him and in him. We need to have that intimate relationship with him. Final fulfillment of Sukkot. We actually see this in Revelation 21. Turn to Revelation 21. Or you can go up and look on the screen. In verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down. This is the fulfillment of Sukkot. Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. I also heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling... There we go again. The sukkah of God is among men, and he shall tabernacle among them. They shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them and be their God. You see, this is a rehearsal for that great day. This is a rehearsal for that great day. And God himself shall bring, shall be among them and be their God. He shall wipe away every tear from their eye. And death shall be no more. Nor shall there be mourning or crying or pain any longer. Hallelujah. Long for that day. For the former things have passed away. This is the fulfillment of the Sukkot. So let me just conclude in just the next couple of minutes here. Shmini Etzeret, the eighth day of assembly. Well, you know what? Before I get there, um, there's another scripture in Zechariah chapter 14. Verse 16, it says, Then all the, the survivors from all the nations that attacked Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king, Adonites of Oot, and to celebrate Sukkot. All the nations will be celebrating Sukkot. Furthermore, if any of the nations on earth do not go up to Jerusalem and worship the king, Adonai Tzavod, they will have no rain. Like I said, this is the climax of all the, the feasts, the Moadim, the establishment of his kingdom on earth. But if we do not celebrate it, if we do not gather for that, there is a judgment and it's no rain. It's no rain. That's why it's, it's customary at this time to pray for the rains. Pray for the, the rains because, and there hasn't been any rain in Israel as far as I know. Matter of fact, Aaron and Erlene just said to me that it was 100 degrees plus in Tiberias the other day. So there hasn't been any rain. We need to really pray for those latter rains to come during this season. No rain. And we talked about last week about Elijah was in a drought. The brook had, had dried up, and, and, and then 
the Lord spoke to him and said, go show yourself to Ahab and tell him to prepare for rain. Rain is coming. Shemini at Sarah, the eighth day of assembly, the day we're in today. It's a day of new beginnings. Eight in the scriptures is about new beginnings. When we do a circle eight around the congregation, new beginnings. But it's also, and take this, like I said, I can't say thus saith the Lord, but if Yeshua is born on Sukkot, okay, the eighth day would be the day of his Brit Milah, his circumcision. That would make sense to me. As a matter of fact, in Luke 2.21, it says, when the eighth days had passed for his Brit Milah, he was named Yeshua, the salvation of God, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. That's just like God to do that. It's a reason to celebrate. Here's that. Yeshua showed his faithfulness to the promise of the patriarchs. And then this season also closes with Simcha Torah, which actually begins tonight. And we're not going to be having a service here, but Roa Israel is, because we rejoice in the giving of the word. We rejoice in the law of God. It is sweet as honey is to our lips. His word is so good. And like I said last week, and what Millie said again, is with all the stuff going on around us, guys, this is a season when it's called to intimacy, where we're called away by the Lord to be with him, is do not judge what God is doing by what you see in the natural realm. If you do that, you're going to be discouraged. You're going to become depressed. You're going to become confused. You're going to lose your focus. Do not judge what God is doing. Just like two weeks ago when I was at the return and I just sensed the presence of the Lord. And then the next two weeks, all I saw was just attack, attack, attack. It's like the enemy was just let loose. And then we saw that picture of that rainbow on Yom Kippur. That's God saying, I'm faithful. I will keep my promises. Hold on to what he says. The rain is coming. Stand with me. The rain is coming. The Lord wants to say, and I don't know about, we need, we need rain here in Colorado. We really do. They need rain in California. They need rain in Israel. And the Lord is saying the rain is coming. But not just the physical rain, God's spiritual rain, his impartation, his glory is coming to his bride. It really is. The harvest is coming. This is a season of harvest. The harvest is coming. But I just want to leave with this, and then we're going to go into a time of worship. We have work to do. We have work to do. <clears throat> you are his chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You, us, me, we're the ones called to praise him, to declare who he is. We are mediators between God and man. We are mediators between God and man and in our nation today. You might think, well, I'm just one person. I don't mean it. Yes. Elijah was one man. And yet, man, he changed the direction of Israel. All of us have a role to play. We all have work to do. We are also the mediators in our own families. 
for reconciliation. Thank the Lord for reconciliation that's happening in my family. Hallelujah. And lastly, before we worship is, don't grow weary, but be renewed and strengthened through intimacy with Yeshua. How many of you have felt tired in the last weeks and months? When you're tired, you run to the Lord. Be renewed and refreshed in Him. Close the door. Turn on a little worship music. Keep it low and just listen to the, to the Lord. He's wanting to speak to us and encourage it. Encourage the weary bones. Don't grow weary. He's calling us into his presence. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we choose to walk closer to you, not to shy away out of fear, out of shame, but to draw near to your presence. In Yeshua's name, amen. As we enter into a time of worship, as I mentioned before, this is also a time of giving. This is 